Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by the Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. Additional information about the Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Amen. Thank you for that. Tabernacle, good morning. How we doing? Man, listen, let me, let me just say this first and foremost. I appreciate you guys braving the weather and, uh, and coming here in your canoes or kayaks or however in the world uh, you got here this morning. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, appreciate for, for some of you that uh, didn't want to quite strap on your life vest. I'm glad you were, uh, you were joining us online this morning. Um, let, let me just say too, man, I'm grateful um, just for, for the relationship, for the partnership um, that God has given, uh, I, I guess, our relationship from church to, to me as, as an evangelist. You guys have meant so much to me just in terms of your prayers, your support, your encouragement. Um, you know, as Pastor Danny said, it has been uh, an incredibly busy year. Um, just for what God has, uh, has given me and, and the ministry that he's given me. You guys are my last stop of, uh, of 2023, so I get to, I don't know, do this thing called sleep and, uh, and see, my, see my kids and, and hang out with my wife, so that's a, that's a huge positive. But just a few, um, let me, let me get, give you guys just a few glimpses of, of what God did uh, just in, in the past 12 months. Back in, back in the spring, um, I had an opportunity to partner with the, with the Tim Tebow Foundation Foundation um, to speak to one of their Night uh, to Shine events um, that they host, which is basically a prom um, for those with special needs from, from age three to age 53 uh, and, and everywhere else in between. Um, but then it also, as, as an opportunity, uh, Night to Shine also serves the families, the caretakers, the caregivers for those that, that care for those uh, with special needs. And, and so the, the role I got to play in that um, was just encourage, pray over, share the word of the Lord with so many of these caretakers and families and, um, you know, those that just feel like in a lot of ways they go unseen, um, that they go, um, that they live the entire span of their life just under constant pressure and to be able to speak the gospel into that, um, to be able to speak the worth and value over, over so many of those with special needs that attended that Night to Shine event uh, back in March uh, was such an incredible opportunity for me. Um, back in the fall, as Danny said, uh, I had the, the amazing opportunity to serve the, the cadets at the uh, U.S. Military Academy at West Point, um, which if you saw the game yesterday, go Army. Um, uh, that, was, that was nice. Um, but, uh, but for me, what I got to do was to partner with the chaplain's office there at West Point. And um, and it was an incredible opportunity for me. I got to bring my wife, got to bring my two kiddos. They got to see all things that is uh, the U.S. Military Academy. But then too, man, to, to share the word of the Lord with so many of the cadets that, that attend the chaplain's events there at West Point. And the full realization is, is, is this. Each and every one of those cadets spend 47 months at West Point. With, with very few breaks in between. Um, like most of these cadets, they'll go home once or twice in their time at the academy. The rest of the time they stay in West Point. Um, their family is truly what happens on that campus and, and, and in and among the academy there. Um, and, and so to be able to pour into them in the full realization that after their 47 months there, the US military is basically gonna pay to send out a bunch of Christians all across the planet 
to be a walking, talking, living example of the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's missions funded by the US government, y'all. So uh, to, to be able to, to play an incredibly small role in that, to encourage each and every one of those cadets that you have a platform that God in his grace has given you and that you can go, that you can fan out across this planet, you can go to so many of these US military bases that we have domestically and be a light in a, in a dark place. And, and you know, beyond even the big things like y'all, I mean, there, there are plenty of times like uh, last month I spoke to a, um, to a youth group that's in the midst of a, a church revitalization sort of project. They have six kids in their youth group and so I went and spoke for their D-Now weekend and of the six that came this, this weekend in a very nondescript, uh, not very well lit, basementy, wet sort of youth room that God in his grace saved two out of those six just in, in, a, in a sweet time, in a, in, a, in a sweet time with them. And so y'all, the, the, the ministry that, that the Lord keeps pushing me through and into, uh, it's weird. Um, it has like no clear, uh, it, it has no clear pattern, no clear opportunity, but God keeps working, God keeps moving, God keeps calling. Um, and, and, and I think the, the one thing I wanna encourage you is, is this that of those 70 organizations and churches and corporations that, that I've partnered with in the past 12 months, y'all, what I want you to know is this. I know the world pretty much is going to, to hell in a handbasket in so many ways. It's, it's a, a very discouraging landscape that, that we live in right now. I want you to know the church is in an amazing place right now. Like y'all, the gospel is on the move. Lives are being changed. People are being called into the family of God. Addictions are being broken. Insecurities are being wiped away all by the grace of God. And it doesn't get a lot of acclaim. It doesn't get a lot of press. People aren't tweeting about it. People aren't throwing it up on the internet. But I can tell you that God has not forgotten his church and God very much so still is at work. And so I know as much as, as we, you know, it's like we, we might go home this afternoon and, and cut on our phones or cut on our TVs and it, it is a whole lot of bad news. I want you to know that the good news is still changing lives. And truthfully for us this morning, that's, that's what I want us to, to really cast our eyes to is the fact that, that it's like, I know that, that given so many people in this sanctuary, like we, we have different stories, different frustrations, different hurts, but I want you to know that there is still can be a hope that we navigate our life in and it has absolutely nothing to do with us. And it has everything to do with the grace and the hope and the advent of our amazing perfect, ruling, and reigning king. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five, we're gonna read the first five verses of that chapter. And, uh, and, and this sermon this morning, uh, I'm, uh, I'm entitling uh, A Season of Hope. A season of hope, because again, y'all, there, there's not a lot of hope uh, going on in, in our world right now, but what we see in the gospel is the constant reminder that even when our circumstances are not great, our God is. That even when we feel like everything we touch falls apart and tears apart, 
that the work and the grace and the victory of our creator and sustainer will not fade away. It will not pass away. And that's where we place our hope. Because like, y'all, as we're about to read here in Romans chapter five, we're about to read good news. But if you know anything about the book of Romans, the first four chapters of this, this book of the Bible, it's honestly not a lot of good news. Like what the Apostle Paul is doing, he's painting a pretty brutal picture of what's going on in and through the, the lives of us, like in our own works and in our own flesh. As Paul describes to the Roman church in Romans chapter one, he says, listen, like for, for what God in his grace has done is he, he looks at us and he sees that in, in our own choices, we choose our own flesh, our own lust, our own wants. And so the end of Romans chapter one, it just says this, that God has given man over to the desires of our flesh. That God in his discipline and God in his justice gives us exactly what we want. And that's for us to rule and reign and call the shots in our life. Sounds pretty similar to what Adam and Eve wanted to do in Genesis chapter three. And what did that earn them? Didn't earn them a whole lot. It earned them separation from God to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden, to face toil and death and hurt and heartache. Paul goes on to describe in Romans chapter three, he says, listen, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter six, the chapter after we're about to read, the apostle Paul says this, he says, listen, the wages of your sin, the paycheck that our life has earned us in our own works and in our own actions is death and separation from God. Like y'all, Paul is painting a pretty bleak picture when it comes to what we have to hold up to God. Like in, in terms of our own actions, our own righteousness, Paul describes to the Philippian church, he says, listen, your righteousness is, is filthy rags when it just comes to you and how awesome and how moral that you and I can be. But thanks be to God, what we see here in Romans chapter five is the glimpse of the good news of the gospel that our great hope is not dependent on our flimsy righteousness but it is fully dependent on his perfect righteousness, which is granted to us through his grace by faith. And so read with me Romans chapter five, and we're gonna begin reading in verse one. And the word of the Lord says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Let me pray for us uh, very quickly. God, in these few moments, as we look at the amazing grace of your gospel, Father, this morning, may we be people who stake our life on that grace. And God, that in turn, as we build our life on your work, on your call, on what you have done for us, God, may we go, may we tell, may we serve like you are the true and coming hope-giving king. Father, we love you, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you're taking notes this morning, there's three things that I want us to see from Romans chapter five uh, here this morning. And the first thing is this, that in Christ, we have a peace that does not make sense. 
In Christ, we have a peace that does not make sense. Now listen, you see right here in, in verse one toward the back half, uh, the word of the Lord, it says this, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know, I know in studying for this sermon, the first time I read verse one, like y'all listen, I don't, I don't have that elite Virginia education. I'm a, I'm a victim of North Carolina public schools. And, uh, and so the, the, the first time I read through Romans five and, and grabbed on, to to verse one, I read it as we have peace from God through our Lord Jesus Christ, which is incredibly true, but that's that's not what Paul's saying here. It's that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to explain the situation again of just what our righteousness, what our works are like how God views them. Look at look in verse six. We're gonna to jump to verse six, verse eight, verse 10. Here's our status in our own works in terms of how God sees us. Verse six, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Jump down to verse eight. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jump down to verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So there we see in three verses that we are weak, that we are sinners, and that in verse 10, we are enemies of the creator and sustainer of the universe. As Pastor Danny mentioned right right at the beginning of the service this morning, like y'all, God is incredibly loving, but God is also incredibly holy and just. And so the greatest issue in our life, that there are plenty of issues that I think a lot of us could lay on the table right now, whether it goes from financial issues, relational stress, physical things, hurt, insecurity, mental health, whatever. I, I want you to fully understand the greatest issue in your life is your sin in light of God being a holy God. Because here's the thing, God, God cannot have relationship, God can have no part in darkness. And so, as Paul has already painted the, the picture in Romans 3, well, we've all sinned. We've, we've all chosen darkness. We've all chosen to be the rulers and authorities in our own life. So where does that put us? That puts us in an incredibly tough place because in our own choice, we have made ourselves enemies of the creator and sustainer of the universe. And now listen, not to, not to get overly geopolitical, but when you boil something down to enemies or to warfare, like y'all, if we put ourselves at war with an all-sovereign, all-powerful, almighty God, I guarantee you 10 times out of 10, that's a war we lose. We, we do not want to put ourselves at odds with an all-sovereign, almighty God. So in light of our greatest problem, what does God do? He takes care of it on his terms. He doesn't tell us to dust ourselves off, to be more holy, to try harder, to to be more perfect, to be more moral. He sends his son to do what we couldn't. He sends his son to live a perfect life, to be born in a manger, 
to live an absolutely perfect life, to be the sinless, spotless lamb that is crucified on a cross, that is raised to life to show his power over both death and sin. And the promise is this, as Romans 10 goes on to explain, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved because that righteousness is credited to you through that work of Christ on the cross and Christ resurrected. That is how Jesus has become our peace. And as he says there, in verse one. It is not for the perfect, it's just for those who have faith, who trust in and rest in Jesus as king. Y'all, the greatest news of the season is that our great hope comes by grace and not by our works. There isn't a single person in here that can flex their holy spiritual muscles and say, look where I've gotten myself. Because we've gotten to where we are in Christ because of Christ. And if God in his grace is willing to deal with the greatest issue in your life and in my life by his grace, I want you to fully understand that all of the the rest of the things that are on the table that are your great fears, your great worries, and your great insecurities are all things that your heavenly father cares about. If he cares about the big thing in terms of your righteousness and your eternal state, then God cares about the things that you worry about at night when your head hits the pillow. God cares about the financial stress that you're buried in right now. God cares about the worry, the stress, the physical ailments. God God knows and God wants to, to lead you through those, but I want you to fully understand, more often than not, he doesn't remove those things from our life but he will walk through, walk through it with us. Y'all, it's, it's the picture in Psalm 23. You know, God is our shepherd who certainly does. He leads us to still waters. He leads us to those green pastures. But what do we see even before that? He is also the good and kind and loving shepherd that walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not distant in either. He's not absent but he is beside us, he is walking with us. Like God does not want his sheep to be dominated by fear. And so more often than not, what he does is he leads us into it and he leads us through it to remind us at the end of the day, we might not have this, but he does. That's what, that's what any good, loving father does. Like y'all, for, for my two kiddos, I have an 11 year old, I have an eight year old, I do not want my kids to be big scaredy cats and wusses. And, uh, and so like our, our whole life in, in terms of our parental life has been trying to put our kids in situations where it's like, okay, they're a little freaked out, but we, we want them to see that fear does not end the story for them. And so for, for us, like this, this past May, we took our kids to Disney World for the first time. And now listen, it, it, was, um, it, it was an incredibly like amazing family time for us, but we were, we were super ignorant in the fact that uh, we had never taken our kids to an, any sort of amusement park ever before we decided to spend $7 trillion to go to Disney World, right? And, uh, and so it probably wasn't, wasn't the savviest investment in the world. And so we're sitting here going, so wait, we just flushed all this money and we don't know if they're, they're gonna survive roller coasters. Um, and, uh, and so we thought, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna pick the biggest, scariest, most terrifying roller coaster that they have at Disney. 
And that's the first one we're going to hit. Because then it's all downhill after that, right? And, uh, and so Disney, uh, when we had showed up in May, J- Disney had just opened a ride called Tron, um, which if you're familiar with like the Tron movie, they ride these goofy little like light cycle things or whatever. And so this ride is basically you, you get on a motorcycle, they kind of sort of maybe clamp you in. I still don't know how it's safe, but like they clamp you into this motorcycle thing. And then in the first like eight seconds of the ride, you do 60 miles an hour and pull four Gs in, in the first turn. It's pretty terrifying. And, uh, and so we're explaining this situation to our kids. They're losing their mind. We're, you know, my, my wife and I were like, it's okay, it's fine. You ain't got nothing to worry about. What my kids did not know at the time was I have never been on a roller coaster in my life. Like, um, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Like, here's the thing. I, I, I was a student pastor for 13 years. I've been to my fair share of amusement parks. Every single amusement park I ever walk into, one of their insurance people literally finds me in about the first five minutes I'm there and they're like, listen, you can't ride any of the rides because if the harness fails, which let's just stop there, if, like that's, that's a possibility, but, but if, if the harness fails and we go around a turn and I can't hold on, I go flying off their ride, I die, and they look bad because they killed an armless person. Like, they don't want... <laughs> They don't want that sort of press. And so that has been my entire life. Every amusement park ever is, sorry, sir, you can't get on this. And so we go through, we're going through the, the rides. And this is, this is the first ride I've been on. And so I know one of their people is going to find me, kick me off the ride. And then it's like, I just get to hang out the rest of the Disney trip. And so I get to the point where there's a Disney employee and I see her and I'm like, all right, bye kids. Bye, honey. Y'all have fun. And, and the Disney lady, she's really confused. She's like, where are you going? I'm like, you're, you're about to kick me off this ride because I don't have arms and I can't hold on when your goofy little harness fails. And, and she looks at me and she's like, oh, no, 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 sir, we, we, this is our newest ride. And so we made this disability accessible, so come on through. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me that, that now three members of the Ritchie family are all about to ride a roller coaster for the first time. And I'm trying to like act like it's okay, we're not gonna die, but I'm sitting here going, they might not die, but I, I might if this harness fails. And so, you know, get on the ride. Y'all, I don't remember those next like 45 seconds. It, it was kind of fuzzy. Um, but my wife said when we got off the ride, she turned around and I had no blood in my face at all. And she said I was walking like I was trying to figure out like, you know, what's it like to walk on land after three months at sea or something. And, uh, and the kids run up to me and they're like, dad, 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 it was amazing. And I was like, oh, that's, that's great. And then they're like, can we do it again? I'm like, no. <laughs> but but for, for them, like in that moment to go from like absolute incredible, like fear, worry, trepidation to the moment that they walk through it and realize it didn't kill them and that they can wait in another two hour line to go do it all again. That's, that's exactly what the Lord is trying to put us in the midst of. God have, hasn't given us a spirit of fear for us to be dominated by it, 
But as we just saw in, in, in the verses from, from Galatians just a, just a few moments ago, God has given us a spirit of adoption, as, as Paul also describes in, in Romans 8. God has given us a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Like God is looking around at your life and he's saying, I just need you to trust me. I just need you to trust me. I know it's scary. I know it's incredibly uncertain and unknown and frustrating and a lot of mountains and a lot of valleys, but I want you to know that you know that you know that I've got you. And the fact that he was willing to sacrifice his son to give you that eternal confidence and that eternal hope is the reminder he's not going anywhere. You don't have to be worried. God has you. Second thing I want us to see from this text this morning is this, is that the journey from joy to hope is a hard one. The journey from joy to hope is a hard one. If you look in the back end of verse two, going into verse four, the word of the Lord says this, that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Now listen, what, what Paul's saying there in verse two, when he says, like, y'all, for, for us in Christ, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice as believers in the, in the fact that, y'all, one day, all of this fades away. That one day, all of our hurts, all of our tears, all of our fears pass away, and we are in heaven seeing Jesus face to face. We have no worries. We have no fears. We have no insecurities. We have the object of our faith and the object of our joy. We have all we could ever want. That's why Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me, as long as I carry on in this life, it is Jesus, and then the moment that I pass from this life to the next, it is Jesus, and I'm gonna rejoice in that fact and in that fact alone, like y'all, I want you to know that you know that you know that your great joy in this life is not gonna be in this flesh. Our greatest joy in this life is Him. And in Him alone, like our, our, our best life is not in this. Our best life, our best joy it, it is him. And, and y'all, I think for, for some of us, we, we step into the Christian faith and sometimes we think that the moment we trust Jesus as Lord is the moment that our life gets easier. And that's, that's just not the case. Like y'all, like I, I, I trusted Jesus as a 15-year-old. I woke up the next morning as a 15-year-old and the greatest physical issue in my life, my, my armlessness, it was still there. I, I still had floppy sleeves when I woke up the next morning. And, and, and it's, it's for me to realize that I will probably be like this my entire life. You know, God in his grace, could he make arms pop out of these shoulders? Absolutely, that'd be terrifying. Um, but God, God could do it. But then too, people, you know, I, I don't know why I always get in these weird conversations with people at churches, but uh, almost without fail, every church I roll into, somebody's gonna bring up the fact that, hey man, one day you're gonna be in heaven, and one day God is gonna give you those good old fashioned like glorified holy arms, and then you ain't gotta worry about this armless thing anymore. Like, you, you looking forward to like those heavenly arms? And I'm like, I, I guess. Um, I think you people with arms are kind of weird, you know? Like I couldn't, couldn't imagine having those things like dangling off your shoulders. That just, that just seems odd to me. But, but here's the thing, like y'all, I didn't, I didn't trust 
in Jesus as my Savior and Lord for him to give me arms. I, I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord to save me from my sins and because he's, he's it. He's my everything. And y'all, if, if, if I get to heaven and there are no glorified heavenly arms, that's okay. Because I didn't sign up for Team Jesus to get that. I signed up for Team Jesus for him and him alone. And that's why Paul says, for, for to me, I'm gonna rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But then he goes on to say something crazy in verse three. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. A lot of us are gonna read the beginning part of verse three and think the Apostle Paul is absolutely clinically insane, that we're gonna rejoice in our sufferings. But y'all, here's the crazy thing. That phrase is not a weird phrase in the New Testament. Peter brings it up to the persecuted church in 1 Peter chapter one. He says that, that church, you should rejoice in this. For what Peter's talking about, you should rejoice in your persecution knowing that now for a little while, you may have to face various kinds of trials. It's so that the proof of your faith, which is more precious than gold, even though it perishes by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. James chapter one, James also writing to the persecuted church, he says, you should rejoice in this, knowing that God is bringing you unto completion. God is bringing about, as verse three talks about, God is bringing endurance into your life so that you can be mature and complete and lacking nothing in your Christian life. Y'all, what we have to truly understand again in that picture of the good shepherd, that in those times when he is leading us through the valley of the shadow of death, one of the things that God is gonna show you in your sufferings is that he is good even when our circumstances aren't. That one of the things that our suffering shows us is just how fragile the things in this world are and how incredibly immovable he is as a foundation for us to build our lives on. And when we walk through those sufferings, it shows us not just as something like we read in scripture or something that we heard on a podcast or something that we heard in a sermon. When we walk through it, y'all, what God in his grace shows us is that we know that we know that we know that we know in every part of our being that God is good that God has us and God will ultimately lead us to the end, which is that picture of hope. And as he goes on to say in verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here's the third thing that I want us to see from this text this morning is this, is that we have a hope worth sharing. We have a hope worth sharing. If we're sitting in this room this morning and Jesus has become our peace, Jesus has saved us from ourselves and, and has dealt with the greatest issue in our life. If Jesus is easing our fears, if Jesus is providing for us and caring for us, if Jesus is doing all of these things, he has become the one thing that the world absolutely needs and it is the picture of hope. When we see that Jesus is who he says he is, that he does what he says he will do, that he is not distant, that he does not bail on promises, that he is all powerful, all giving, all loving, y'all, how could we not share that with the world? 
Because that's the picture that Paul's drawing there in verse five when he says that that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. That picture of pour, it is a constant overflowing of the love of God into your heart and mind. And y'all, here's the thing. God does not lavish that grace on us for us to keep it to ourselves. God gives us his great grace and his great hope so that we can turn around and share it with the world. And y'all, I know a lot of us in here, we think that, man, that's, that's not me. Like, I, I, I don't do this evangelism thing really good, or I, I don't know how to share my faith or share my testimony with other people. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not gifted. Like, y'all, I want you to know and understand, if Jesus has saved you, Jesus has called you. And there's not an asterisk in that grace. If he saved you, he has called you to go. And it might not be God is calling you to go and be a pastor. God is calling you to be a small group leader, to be a missionary. I certainly know and understand that in the legacy and history of that church, of this church right here at Tabernacle, that that certainly has been a part of your story for the past century. But I also want you to know and understand God has very sovereignly saved you and placed you at your work whether it's at a tire plant, whether it is working as an accountant, whether it's working at Walmart, whether it's being a good mommy, good daddy, whatever the case is, God has placed you there to show the world more of him. And some of us have created this sort of like sacred and secular divide in our life that, that my life in Christ happens on Sunday and then I live my other six days however I want. That is not God's design and plan for your life. If he rules and reigns, if Jesus is your everything, Jesus informs and Jesus shows himself in your Thursdays, in your Wednesdays, in your Saturdays, and in everywhere else in between. God is using you as a missionary right here in Pennsylvania County, and God is just asking you to trust him. Trust him with your relationships, your talents, your abilities, and to just watch him work. Y'all, you know, it's like, in, in, in my time with y'all, I've, I've shared with you just so many times where God has just, I mean, surprised me in the opportunities to tell the world more of him. Like y'all, back in August, I was preaching in Alabama. Um, I, I just pulled into town. It was like Saturday night, preaching Sunday morning. And so I, I don't know why of all places I decided to do sermon prep at the uh, Holiday Inn Express pool, um, but that's, that's what I chose to do. And so I, I rolled into the pool. It's like, you have to go out of the hotel and like through the little safety gate on the outside. And so y'all know, I, I, I walk over, I you know open up the little safety gate and I flick it open. And right as I flick it open, there's probably this, I don't know, six, seven-year-old girl, Bob up and down in the little shallow end of the pool. And now listen, if you know anything about armless people and six and seven-year-old girls, we go together like fire and gasoline um, because there's almost always a lot of questions. And so the moment I flick that fence open and I'm staring at this little girl bobbing up and down in the pool, this girl at the top of her lungs yells to her daddy, daddy, what happened to that man's arms? And it's like, I look over at dad sitting there in his little pool chair and he's just like, mortified. He is, he is thinking, I have raised an absolute monster. And, and so it's just like, I tried to act like nothing happened. I didn't hear it. And so I just kind of shuffle into the pool and I sit down at my, my little pool chair and I'm starting to pull up my Bible and my notes and I'm starting to study. 
And this little girl shifts into 50 question modes with her daddy. It, it goes from, daddy, how's that man eat? Daddy, how's that man drive? Daddy, how's he do this? Daddy, how's he do that? Y'all, that man had never met me in my, li in my life or in his life. He don't know how I do anything. And so it's just like, he's at a little bit of a loss. He's struggling to answer her questions. So she kind of gets salty about it. And so she turns to tough talking her daddy and she goes, daddy, he's more talented than you are. Like, daddy, I bet you, I bet you he can do more things than you can do. And then she goes, daddy, I bet you, you can't open that fence like that armless man did. And it's like, I think, I think daddy's pride was a little damaged. And so he was like, I'm gonna show her. And so he like, he shuffles out of the pool, the, the little pool gate closes. And then I watch this poor man that I don't think has done a day of yoga in his life, try to, try to get his knee above Above his hip and I think I could hear that hip squeaking from from 50 feet away because it was it was not happening and, and this man like struggled for a couple of minutes and then he finally just opened the fence with his hand came back in in a huff y'all on the inside I'm watching all this play out and I'm dying laughing on the inside I'm trying to play it cool but I'm dying laughing on the inside <laughs> and after a little bit this this dude he walks over to me and he's like hey man I'm like hey buddy and he's like Hey, I'm uh, I'm sorry about all that, and I'm like, oh, you're good. It's 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 fine. Happens all the time. Six year olds gonna be six year olds, and uh, and so you know he he apologizes for all of that, and then he goes, hey man, can I can I just share with you a little bit of my story? And I was like, yeah, dude, come on, and uh, and so this guy begins to share with me his story. And, um, and, you know, he, he grew up whole life tradesman. Um, he, he, had, he had been a roofer uh, there in Alabama for just about two decades. And, uh, and he was sharing with me earlier in the year, he was, he was working on a roof there in Alabama and just missed a step, fell off this second story house and the back of his head hit the, the sidewalk that went around the front of the house. He sustained a traumatic brain injury and, you know, they, they rushed him to the hospital and doctors told his wife, oh yeah, for sure, this dude is dead as a doornail. He's not gonna live. It's the moment she got that news, she left him. She left him, never came back to the hospital, like started the, the whole like separation process and everything. This guy ended up losing his, his wife, ended up losing his job, ended up having to relearn how to write, how to eat, how to tie his shoes, everything. And he comes out of a three-month coma, not having a single thing to his name, and going, God, how do, how do, how do I even get through this? And, and he's describing his whole story, and he, he's a believer, but he's just struggling with, with the weight of his whole situation. And he's looking at my situation and all my armlessness, and he's like, man, how did you get through all of the stuff that I know you had to get through? And, and it's like, it's, it's okay. And, and for me to, to take that moment and to just share with him about how Jesus is my greatest hope. It's, my great hope is not in all the cool things that I do with my feet. My great hope is not in any talent or gifting that I have. My great hope is in the fact that the creator and sustainer of the universe loves me enough, that he adopted me into his family by his grace and that even if everything else in this life fails me, he won't. And that's where I'm gonna build my life. And to be able to share that hope with him, just because I'm living my life in such a way 
that shows where my hope is. That's God's design for our life right there. That we live in such a way that we show the hope that we know that we have. And in y'all, for, for, for us in this Christmas season, there is no easier time to show that hope and to share that hope than in the next two weeks. It, it is literally gift wrapped for you and me to share the hope that Jesus is. And my very simple prayer for you this morning is, is just that you would do something with that gift. You would do something with that hope that you're willing to share it, that you're willing to invite people here, that you're willing to just share your story about how Jesus has transformed your life. But then too, I I also fully understand that that in a church this size on a morning like this, there are some people in here that you don't know Jesus as your savior. You don't know Jesus as your peace like we read about there in verse one. And if that's you, if you need Jesus to save you from your sins this morning, you need Jesus to be your great peace. Here in just a second as we're singing, Pastor Danny will be up here. He would love nothing more than to tell you what it means to be saved and what it means to trust Jesus as your great peace. Man, whatever the case is, just, just in these next few moments as we sing, if the Lord's prompting you in your heart, man, respond. The Lord's telling you to leverage your gifts, leverage your time, leverage your talents, leverage your job, leverage your relationships. If the Lord is calling, I pray in these next few moments you would respond. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about the Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for another edition of Tabernacle Today.